We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf, and I am flying solo this evening. Zach Jacobson cannot be with us this evening, so let's all have a moment of silence. I'm just kidding. I'm with you guys tonight from Appleton, Wisconsin, waiting out the snow, the slush, the freezing rain in anticipation of being at Lambeau Field tomorrow when the Green Bay Packers We'll take on the Arizona Cardinals. It's snowing outside, 
but I am in my hotel room, I am watching college football, and I have a huge dip in. So I cannot complain at all this evening. In the words of Jim Harbaugh, who could possibly have it better than me? Nobody. I'm excited to sit here and talk Packers with you guys this evening. A lot of stuff has happened just today already. Perhaps the biggest news, which I'm sure you already know and are excited about, Whitewater Jesus, Jake Kumaro, has been activated and added to the active roster. We will see what that means. Some reports surfaced earlier in the week that Kumaro had a lot of family coming up for this game, which seemed to lend to the theory that Kumaro would make his debut on Sunday, whether or not he is active or not. I would put that as more likely than not because of the Packers' injury situation. A lot of guys are already ruled out. Some guys ruled questionable. To make room for Jake Kumaro, the Packers put Mike Daniels and kick returner Trevor Davis on injured reserve. Davis' season ends in one that never really got started. Uh, He was unable to make much of an impact, which is unfortunate. I believe it has been made pretty clear at this point he is the best returner and special teams player on this team right now. Next year is going to be a big year for him in camp. A lot of people uh, are, have kind of soured on Trevor Davis, and I understand that to some degree. For some of the explosive plays he makes on returns, he makes some equally boneheaded ones as well. But he is explosive. He is fast. And that sort of speed is something that will always play at the NFL level. He will get every opportunity to prove that he is capable of playing at the NFL level. He'll be in camp next season, and we will see what happens from there. The Daniels injury blows for a couple reasons as well. Obviously, he's one of the best defensive players on this team, uh, and you kind of got to start to wonder now with him. He turns 30, and the Packers may very well start looking for his replacement this offseason. I'm not saying that Daniels isn't going to be on the team next year, but next year is a contract year, and it's unlikely that a 31-year-old defensive lineman is getting a third contract from the Packers, at least at a substantial level. But that is all off-season stuff. Uh, The Kumaro thing is exciting for something to root for in a season that right now looks to be lost. Uh, The Packers are in a position where they have to run the table and get some help, uh, which is paraphrasing essentially what Aaron Rodgers said after last weekend's loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Their chances of making the playoffs are about 3%. It's not positive. Uh, If you look at their remaining schedule, I would at least say you can make an argument that the Packers could win all those games. I expect them to win today in Arizona. I give them a pretty good chance of winning next week against Atlanta at home. The game in Chicago is the one that's going to stick out. The Packers have not won on the road this season. The Bears are a very improved team. They have the best defense in football. Matt Nagy is a very good play caller. He has put Mitchell Trubisky, who, in my opinion, is still probably an average to below average quarterback, uh, but he has put him in good positions to succeed. They have weapons all throughout the field. Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller is starting to emerge. I know that's an Andy Herman favorite. Um, the, the, that's going to be the tough one. That's the toughest one left on the schedule, no doubt. Then there's a road game the following week against the New York Jets. The Jets are not a good team. Packers should be able to win that game, but they've been bad on the road all year, as we know. And then they close out at home against Detroit. In addition, I don't want to get into all the scenarios. Some of you guys have seen that graphic by now about how the Packers have um, gotten to this point and what they need to happen in front of them in order for them to make the playoffs. 
it's just not likely, guys. Uh, what we're really doing here is probably playing out the string. Uh, some people are obviously rooting for the Packers to lose intentionally. Uh, they are not going to do that. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to be active for every game until, at minimum, the Packers are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And even then, I would bet Rodgers starts uh, those games. Some of that's obviously going to depend on a few things, but, I mean, I would bet a pretty good money on Aaron Rodgers being the starter down the stretch, and he should be. Um, I, I don't think you want to send a message to your team of the rest of you are not as important, even if that may very well be true in terms of the starting quarterback. So tomorrow should be interesting, or today, those of you guys are listening on Sunday, today should be interesting. It's going to be snowy and kind of nasty outside, really windy. If you're going to the game, bundle up. You're going to need every ounce of layers that are possible, and it's going to be snowy and cold. So that should be fun. Uh, The Packers, that might put a hindrance on their passing game, which quite frankly hasn't been that good this season anyways. It really should lend to the kind of game that Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams to some degree dominate uh, throughout the course of this game. The Cardinals are not a great run defense. They have a very good pass rush, and they have um, some good cornerbacks. Obviously, Patrick Peterson is one of them, uh, and he will probably be shadowing Devontae Adams tomorrow. So that leads to Randall Cobb, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Equinemia, St. But the other guys are going to have to make some plays because Devontae is going to win his share, but Peterson's going to win his as well. So the Packers are going to have to figure that out, but this really looks like one of those old-school games that Vince Lombardi would be proud of. We're looking at a snow globe, and that's where the Packers are at now. They're going to have to win this game in kind of an ugly fashion. Whether or not they're willing to do so, I I don't know. You know, Mike McCarthy has shown a tendency in the past to – get away from his running game and tomorrow again that really should be something where the Packers should be committed to the run tomorrow and I cannot believe I am saying that but when the conditions like that are gross you know the Packers have to protect the ball and they have to be able to make some plays on a sloppy field on the defensive side of the ball the Cardinals have David Johnson he is their best player and not a whole lot else in terms of the passing game that is with all due respect to Larry Fitzgerald he's one of the greatest wide receivers ever Uh, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. He's a 34-year-old slot receiver at this stage of his career, and it remains to be seen how many big plays. Even if he does make plays, you're talking more of those 8, 10-yard, third-down plays where you go, man, that guy's open again. Those are the kinds of plays Fitzgerald's going to make. He's not going to beat you down the field the way that he used to in the past. That's where the Packers are at on the defensive side of the ball. This is a game I expect Green Bay to win. I mean... Throughout the year, you see the trend. They are undefeated at home. They have that tie, so I guess you could call that half a loss if you really wanted to. But they have half a loss at home, if you will, but otherwise they haven't been beaten at home, and they're winless on the road. They've beaten bad teams at home. They beat Miami a couple weeks ago. They beat Buffalo. They do a good job at home. Uh, They're a good team at home. That's probably the most frustrating part of this year's Packers team is they are a pretty good team at home. They're just really bad and find ways to lose games that are on the road. And they've done that for quite some time, and I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure why that is. I have my theories, but obviously, you know, theories are not facts. I know that Mike McCarthy very much emphasizes winning home games, and you get what you emphasize, as they say, but maybe that's gone too far in the other direction to where now they're just not prepared on the road. And, 
You know, I, Zach Cruz said it really well last week during the Vikings game is this is just a bad football team doing what bad football teams do. And, you know, this isn't like bad like the Cleveland Browns in recent years. Obviously, they're going to have some some moments where they look like a team that's competent. The Browns have not had that until this season in recent years. But for the Packers' standards with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, yes, this is a bad football team right now. And that can change. Obviously, you know, I'm not a psychic, and I will not pretend to be. But it's very possible that the Packers run the table, make the playoffs, and make a run. I think that's, you know, far down the list on scenario possibilities of getting to the playoffs and making a run. I think that's pretty far down your list as far as things that can happen uh, throughout the season. So that's where we're at right now. You know, the Packers are playing the Cardinals. They have a, a big test in front of them, and they have to pass that. You know, like Aaron Rodgers said, you got to take this thing one game at a time. Um, this has happened before. History has repeated itself before. The Packers went into Philadelphia. That was a game nobody thought they could win. This is a game a lot of people think they should win. Uh, and I think they should. So I, I expect that to happen. Even despite the weather, that probably helps the Cardinals a little bit. But Cardinals starting quarterback Josh Rosen is a California kid, and he played at UCLA. He has probably never played in a game where the temperature is below 40 degrees. Now, I could be wrong on that. I don't know that for a fact. But my guess is his experience of playing games in the cold is is minimal. Whereas this is what Aaron Rodgers does. This, he lives in Green Bay. This is this is his sort of game. So that's really it for the game. I mean, at this point, the talking points have been talked to death, I'm sure, as far as how this game is supposed, supposed to play out, what the Packers need to do, what's in front of them, all that sort of stuff. Um, what I want to talk about is there's some stuff that surfaced earlier this week that led to a few thoughts of mine. And those of you who have followed me along on Twitter, you can find it. It is at Jacob Westendorf. I posted a really long thread. It turned out to be really wordy. But it's really my thoughts on the Packers as a whole as far as what exactly should they be doing, uh, what has happened this season. I talked about Mike McCarthy. I talked about the offense. I talked about the defense. I really broke down the team from top to bottom as far as you know what, what has happened and what should have happened, and what are some things that need to happen in you know the coming weeks and months. And really, it really starts with this. Short of the Packers making a miraculous run, I say to the Super Bowl, Mike McCarthy is coaching his final weeks in Green Bay. And that does not make Mike McCarthy a bad coach. He's not. But sometimes things run their course. And I believe that this is a team who clearly looks like one whose head coach has run its course in Green Bay. The same thing happened to Andy Reid in Philadelphia. He was fired by the Eagles, subsequently went to the Chiefs, and has been very successful. The Chiefs are one of the favorites to win the AFC as we speak here right now. Andy Reid didn't forget how to coach and all of a sudden remember how to once he got to Kansas City. It was just his time in Philadelphia was up. Mike McCarthy's time in Green Bay is just up. I know a lot of people use his words of, I'm a highly successful head coach, as if, as if it's not true. They use it in a sarcastic manner as if he's just this bum that never knew anything about football. And that's just not true. Um, you know, what I said in the thread was McCarthy has been highly successful. The Packers have won a lot more games than they've lost. They've played for a couple NFC Championship games. They've only won one. And I understand the rhetoric of 
well, he has Aaron Rodgers, and you know, you've only been to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. How can you be highly successful if that's the case? Okay. So my question then is, Drew Brees is a great quarterback, right? He's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, right? That seems to be getting a lot of publicity. Is Sean Payton a highly successful head coach? I know a lot of you would say yes. The Saints have been to one Super Bowl. They finished seven and nine in back-to-back-to-back seasons, and four out of five. Sean Payton, by that measure, then is not a highly successful head coach. Now, I'm not saying that because I believe that he is. So, with that in mind, if if Super Bowl appearances, multiple Super Bowl appearances or titles are the only way to measure highly successful head coaches, then what you have as highly su- successful head coaches since Mike McCarthy took over in Green Bay are Tom Coughlin of the New York Giants, they won two, and Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots, arguably the greatest head coach of all time. There are more highly successful head coaches than that. Now, is McCarthy's time up? Yes, I do think so. I think that it's time to move on. I've held on maybe a little longer than I should have as far as believing in him as the head coach of this team. But that does not make him a bad coach. A few other things. A lot of people are talking about how Aaron Rodgers is having a great season. And that's not true. He's having a good season. Pity parties are thrown for him weekly on the national media scale talking about how he's got to drag this talentless hack of a franchise to the position that's in. That's not true either. Now, the roster's not talented enough, and I will get to that here in a minute, but Aaron Rodgers is having a good season. The problem is, by his standards, we're used to Aaron Rodgers pulling out his cape and being a superhero. Now, that's not really fair to expect of him. However, when you pay a guy $30 million and he's the highest paid player in the league, that is what you have to expect from him. Aaron Rodgers has to play better. He knows that. He's said that every single week. This is a league that is based around getting a team into the end zone almost as easily as possible. Scoring's at an all-time high, and the Packers seem to struggle just to put back-to-back scoring drives together. I'm even talking about two consecutive field goals, let alone two consecutive touchdowns. The quarterback has to play better, and there's a lot of reasons for for his issues this year. He's still a very good quarterback. In my opinion, he's still the best quarterback in football. I'm not by any means going the Matt Miller route and saying, trade him, get rid of him, start over, nothing like that. However, they do need him to play better. And I really do liken this to the end of Brett Favre's tenure with Mike Sherman, where Favre got a little cozy, kind of insubordinate, didn't trust the thing Sherman was doing, and Mike McCarthy came in and basically gave him a yank on the collar and said, okay, this is what we're doing now. And Brett Favre had a renaissance in 2007 that led all the way to the NFC Championship game before they pissed that one down the hatch. So I think Rodgers needs something similar. I don't know who that head coach is. I've talked about my my reasons and my types of coaches that I would want, and for those of you that haven't seen it, here it is. I want a young, offensive-minded head coach that is invested in analytics that is not named Josh McDaniels or John DiFilippo. And if you want my reasons for that, you can go back and listen to some of it because, frankly, I just don't have enough time at this juncture to go over those sorts of things uh, because I have a time limit here, unfortunately. But I have my reasons for not wanting those guys. If you want to know, feel free to reach out to me. I will happily answer you in a social media scale as well. But those guys are not the people I want. Now, Lincoln Riley is a popular name. Head coach at Oklahoma, a team that should be in the college football playoff with the way games have gone today. I understand that. Uh, He would check all my boxes. I'm not going to say he's some sort of slam dunk hire because, frankly, I don't know. 
Uh, until you see somebody that has been in the chair of head coach of NFL football team, you don't know how they're going to be. So the only thing that you can really go off of and say, yes, I know this guy's a good NFL head coach, is if they were to hire, say, John Harbaugh from the Baltimore Ravens. I know what he's like as a head coach. Now, he's not the first name I would call because, as I mentioned, he doesn't really check a lot of those boxes I just mentioned. But Lincoln Riley does, and that'll be a name that's connected to Green Bay. And Green Bay, right with Cleveland, should be the best job available this offseason. You have Aaron Rodgers, and it's a premier franchise. The Packers, Packers head coach, regardless of who's on the roster, is one of the best in football. That's just reality. Uh, Packers detractors, people that are like Bears fans or Vikings fans, are going to scoff at that and say, well, of course you think that. You're a Packers fan. There's some truth to that. Uh, but I also know Packers are one of the original franchises in the NFL, and jobs like that matter. It's very similar to when the Bears job came open. I've said that's one of the best jobs in football. Chicago Bears head coach. That's one of the best jobs in the NFL. And I think that the Packers will be right at the top of that list. Aaron Rodgers is a big reason for that. But the history and prestige of the team is definitely another reason as well. Uh, some other things I talked about, you know, talent on the roster is not where it needs to be. I've talked about the wide receiver position where – you know, part of Aaron Rodgers' struggles are when he breaks the pocket. Troy Aikman, for all the things that he does poorly, did actually a really good job of pointing this out. The Packers are awful in the scramble drill. Uh, and that's something they used to be incredible at when they had James Jones and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and his prime and Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and all those weapons. Now, the problem is Rodgers is playing with Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb's been inactive most of the season. Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, two raw rookies that really, it's not like they're not trying, they just don't really know what to do. Jimmy Graham is not well-versed in this offense. He has not played as great. He's been probably a free agent bust. That's something where I would not be surprised to see him turn into a one-year kind of contract because the Packers can get out of his deal relatively easily after this first year. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I do think they need more talent at the receiver position. I would not be comfortable giving the reins to two or three, if you include Jamon Moore, non-top 100 picks, and undrafted free agent Jay Kumaro and fifth-round pick Trevor Davis. They need to add something there. And I would argue at this point, obviously the offseason, there's going to be a lot of discussion about this, but I would argue they need to draft one relatively highly within their first three picks, and as well as sign a veteran. Someone like, oh, I don't know, I'll throw this name out there, and I'm sure Packers fans have grown, but it's Golden Tate. Uh, somebody to play the slot like that and effectively. Uh, I think that that's something that would be beneficial to the offense. But I do think they need more talent at receiver and tight end. I would argue the running back position, other than Aaron Jones, could use a little bit of a makeover as well. With all due respect to Jamal Williams, he's nothing special. I think that's been proven. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot. He's a glorified offensive tackle. Um, <laughs> he's not that great as a runner, and his abilities in the passing game. He's just not a very explosive player. And this is a league where you need offensive players and offensive weapons that are explosive. And if you look around the best offenses in the league, they have plenty of those. So the Packers do need a makeover on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I talked about that a lot as well. Um, I think that the linebacker position, edge and inside, has been embarrassing, for lack of a better term. You know, Kyler Fackrell is your best edge rusher right now. And that says about everything you need to know. Now, Fackrell's made me eat some crow, and I have earned the the full plate and fork of those sorts of things, but he's still not a game-breaker at the edge rusher position. And I've talked about them neglecting that position, and they have. 
And I don't need to go over that again, but that's something that's been the case. Reggie Gilbert has been not much. Nick Perry, not much. He's on injured reserve again. May not be in Green Bay next season. And Clay Matthews is probably playing out the string of his Green Bay career here, just like Mike McCarthy is as the head coach. So you're looking at a makeover for that position next season. Inside linebacker, Blake Martinez to me is an average player. If he's your second inside best inside linebacker, then I understand that. Uh, I think that's an okay position to be in. But he shouldn't be your number one inside linebacker, and he really is at this point. And that leads to what you kind of have on the field, which is an average defense. On the defensive line, Kenny Clark is a stud. Mike Daniels is very good. Dean Lowry's proven to be a good rotational player. Someone like Mo Wilkerson could probably come back next season at a very reduced, probably a similar salary structure, maybe a you know three million dollar deal with incentives and such to get him up to six or seven million if he hits those numbers. Um, but the Packers, they have a lot of holes on their defense for all the talk of the improvement that has happened, and it has happened under Mike Patton, but this defense still is not good enough. Uh, and it needs to be good enough. Championship-level defense, as they've talked about several times under Mike McCarthy. The secondary. The secondary has been young and promising. The problem is they haven't had all their guys together at one time. Kevin King, I understand. He's frustrating because he's been hurt. Uh, but at the same time, he's not trying to get hurt. I'm not going to talk about T.J. Watt because I quite frankly think that you just need to get over that. It's not like Kevin King's been a bad player when he's been healthy. The problem is he hasn't been healthy. And I understand the frustration that comes with that, but he has been a good cornerback when he has been healthy. So with that in mind, the rest of the secondary, let me start first and foremost with a legitimate star, and that's Jair Alexander. I was wrong. I did not think that he was a highly rated corner, and I missed. Uh, Jair Alexander has been either the best or right there with Denzel Ward as best cornerback in this draft class in his rookie season. So that's a positive. The Packers have something they can build on uh, in their back end. Bashad Breland is somebody that I wouldn't mind seeing them try and bring back. Obviously, the price is going to matter on those sorts of things. And Breland may very well want to start, which he may or may not be able to do in Green Bay. A lot has to happen between now and then, but it's possible that he is not a starter or a preferred starter with the depth chart. Josh Jackson is my son, and I love him unconditionally. And I think that a lot of people are really becoming victims of confirmation bias. I think there's some people that believed he couldn't play corner and had to transition to safety because of his 40 time. Josh Jackson doesn't have the splash plays, and he's been beaten a few times. I'm not going to pretend like he's been perfect, but people like Jair Alexander are unicorns. Somebody who just steps in at a cornerback level and is good right away. Those guys are unicorns. Josh Jackson, typically it usually takes players a little while at the cornerback position to become effective players. And moving him to safety immediately, which seems to be the fix-all, that's like the new move Clay Matthews inside thing. Move Clay Matthews inside has become now move Josh Jackson to safety. I just think that the value of Josh Jackson being able to play outside corner, and I still think he can, is is higher than if you move him to a position he's never played before. And I think that that's something that they need to seriously look into is letting him play cornerback and making it very obvious he cannot do so before 
moving him to safety. That's a really good young core if you have Kevin King, Josh Jackson, and Jair Alexander. Now, they need to be healthy. They need to improve, all those sorts of things. But it's a good start for a group that, you know, just two years ago, or just last year, was starting Demarius Randall, who was hobbled and, frankly, not very good and playing out of position and all that sort of stuff, along with Quentin Rollins and Ladarius Gunter and just some of the guys they were trotting out there last year were, frankly, not very good. Uh, they're in a much better position now than they have been. The safety position is an embarrassment. We know that. Tremont Williams should probably play safety for the remainder of his career. I think he can be serviceable back there. He's a veteran. You should probably keep him around. He signed him to a two-year deal. I don't see the point in moving on from him right now. Josh Jones, meh. Ibrahim uh, Campbell, uh, Marwin Evans, just some of the other guys that they've thrown back there. Kentrell Bryce. They just don't have any real good players at that position right now, and they need one. Now, a lot of people are going to say that they want to sign Landon Collins or LaMarcus Joyner or you know just some of those big names like that. Me, personally, I would like to go the cheap veteran route. I'm thinking along the lines of you know, Trey Boston is a guy who was available for almost the entire offseason, and that's somebody that the Packers should have signed. We were talking about that on War Room with Ross Uglum and Cody Bauer. That's somebody that should have been in Green Bay a long time ago, and he's not. And the Packers are suffering now because of it. He's available again this offseason. Somebody the Packers should be looking into. If they were to sign a big-name free agent at safety, the guy I would be looking for is Earl Thomas. Now, the problem with that is Earl Thomas, to me, seems destined to be a Dallas Cowboy for many, many reasons that have all been in the media. So is that realistic? Probably not. But that's the route I would be looking at at the safety position. But really, if you start looking forward, I really think that the Packers' priorities in the draft, and this is a long ways away from now, should start in the front seven and on the offensive lines, the defensive line, and probably the safety position as well. But that would be a little further down the list. And I'm mentioning wide receiver as well as a big position. They need to keep that covered stock. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Give him weapons. He hasn't had those weapons, and it's slowly deteriorated. I was talking about, you know, in 2011. Now, granted, that is a special group of receivers, and that'll probably never happen again. But that team had Greg Jennings and Donald Driver as starters. Jordy Nelson and James Jones were backups. Those guys were starters on most other teams. Randall Cobb was thrown in there, and so was Jermichael Finley. The Packers right now have Devontae Adams and very little else. And that's something that they have to look into fixing this offseason. It's going to take a while because you're not going to fix that all in one offseason and build up this stable of huge, awesome offensive weapons like they used to have. But they can be in a better position to where a fifth-round rookie like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is not being asked to play this significant role when, frankly, he's probably not ready to do so. So the Packers have a lot to work on this offseason. Uh, it's going to be an exciting offseason. You likely have a head coaching search. They have about $50 million in cap space to play with. Brian Gutekunst has pretty much alluded to the idea that they want to be active in free agency. And this is a big offseason for Gutekunst as well because almost anything that he's done, now some of that's bad luck. I will admit that. I'm not trying to bag on Gutekunst here. But Jimmy Graham has been a bust. Muhammad Wilkerson got hurt. 
Jair Alexander has been a good player as his first-round pick. Uh, but his draft class as a whole hasn't shown a whole lot in his first season. Now, I believe the potential is there. Josh Jackson, I've mentioned, I believe he has all the potential in the world. Oren Burks, well, what can you say? I mean, he hasn't played, and there's a reason for that. Uh, the rookie wide receivers have played. Jamon Moore has not really done anything. He was a fourth-round pick. The Packers really need a home run type of draft along with a home run type of free agency. This is a huge offseason for the Packers, and it all starts with what is likely the hiring of a new head coach. I'm not going to say it's a given because I don't know that, but it's very, very likely. I can't see a huge scenario like I mentioned when Mike McCarthy is back in Green Bay, but if he's not, and that's likely that he's not, you need to hire the right guy. Because, for example, I mean, I will overreact badly, and I know this already. If they hire a head coach similar to – they won't do this. So believe me when I say they probably won't do this. But if they were to hire, like, John Fox, for example, I would sit there the next day and say, we just ended Aaron Rodgers' career today. There is no way Aaron Rodgers is going to a Super Bowl with John Fox as his head coach. I don't think they'll do that. But that all goes back to Gutekunst and Mark Murphy. And we're really going to find out how big of a deal is this new power structure. Because some people believe Mark Murphy made a power grab when he changed the structure of the front office and said he will hire and fire the head coach. Well, we'll see if that turns out to be true. Because I don't think this offseason that Gutekunst said, hey, I want to sign this guy, whoever it is. And Mark Murphy and Russ Ball basically said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, you got to do something else, Brian. Um, but we'll see because as of right now, if Mark Murphy is to be held at his word, it is him who is hiring the head coach. So if that's the case, that's interesting for a lot of reasons. I think that a lot of people, when they heard this power structure, were some previous generation Packers fans who remember the days of Bart Starr having to go in front of the board when he was the head coach and explain, you know, why did you call a run play on third and five, for example, and explain that to the board, which he should have never had to do. That's ridiculous that that ever happened. Uh, and then that power structure really changed when Ron Wolf arrived. Now, like I mentioned, they changed that structure. So, Mark Murphy, you're responsible if this is the case. So that remains to be seen on how all that is going to work. Uh, as of right now, I would probably guess that Murphy is going to say, hey, Brian, who's your coach? And if Gutekunst comes back and says, hey, I want to hire Lincoln Riley, just again for namesake. And I really don't believe that Mark Murphy is going to come back and say, no, you know what? We're going to hire Ben McAdoo because he has a connection to Green Bay. And that's something that is kind of an undersold storyline is that every head coach, I'm 27 years old, every head coach they've hired in my lifetime since Mike Holmgren, Ray Rhodes, Mike Sherman, and Mike McCarthy have had some connection to Green Bay and the Packers. That's something that remains to be seen on if that's something they'll do. I would like to think that they can think outside the box, and I just want them to hire the right guy. I don't know who that is uh, as of right now. I'm sorry, that's probably frustrating that you're asking me, you know, who's the guy, and I'll basically say, oh, I don't know. I'll let them make that decision, but that's where I'm at. I hope they hire the right guy when that time comes, but there's a lot to happen between now and then. For tomorrow, though, or today, since you're listening on a Sunday morning, Packers-Cardinals, like I mentioned, it's a bad team. It's at Lambeau Field. The Packers typically win those games. I expect them to win today. 
I think it'll be ugly. I think it'll be sloppy. I could totally picture the final score of this game being like 17-6 or something really ridiculous and lame like that just because I don't know what the weather's going to be right now. It looks like the forecast says three to five inches of snow during the game. That's a sloppy day. So if I'm the head coach, and thank your lucky stars that I am not, um, Aaron Jones is touching the ball 30 times tomorrow, and Jamal Williams is touching the ball on short yardage and giving Aaron Jones a spell, but they really need to be able to run the ball effectively and really just kind of dice up this this Cardinals team with play-action passing. We will see who's active tomorrow and all those sorts of things. That might change a few things, obviously. If David Bakhtiari can't go, it is even more paramount that they are able to run the ball because if the Cardinals are good at anything, it's rushing the passer. So that's something they're going to need to do. They have to be able to run effectively and use play-action pass. This is an old-school kind of football game, and that's what happens when it snows and gets nasty like this in December football. It's exactly what you want. It's the frozen tundra, it's Lambeau Field, and you're fighting for your playoff lives. The hope I have tomorrow is that the Packers come out and are spirited in a time when they need to be. They cannot lose. They cannot afford another loss. They especially cannot afford to lose on their home turf to another team. If this team comes out flat and ends up kind of stinking up their way to a win or even losing a game. I think you'll see everything that you need to know about whether or not this team has quit because that's definitely a fair question that comes into play when a team is in a position like the Packers are in where they're fighting for their playoff lives but it's not that realistic and maybe they're not responding to their head coach, those sorts of things. But for now, I expect Green Bay to win tomorrow and that'll do it for my edition of today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening in, staying with me. I was flying solo tonight. You can follow the podcast. It is at Packaday. If you want to follow that thread or anything that I have to say on Twitter, first of all, I really appreciate that. I enjoy interacting with you guys. You guys are great. Uh, I have enjoyed every bit, even if we disagree. Uh, you guys are mostly very civil with me, and I enjoy uh, the, the conversation back and forth. As I always say, I'm never going to be famous being a you know a, a podcaster or a, whatever you want to call it. I'm never going to get paid for this. I do this because I enjoy interacting with you guys. I enjoy being able to talk football and specifically the Green Bay Packers. If you are coming to the game today, let me know. Uh, I am going to be in town, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it because I love Lambeau Field and I love the Packers, and that's ultimately what this is all about. We love watching football. We love listening to the show. Uh, I want to thank Andy Herman at Scotty Sports for giving me an opportunity to do this. I've enjoyed every second of it all season long. So thank you guys for all of this. Thank you guys for listening to Pack-A-Day Podcast. Packers Cardinals noon tomorrow, Lambeau Field. Get a big win and start making a run potentially. And as always, every single time you listen to this show and every day going forward, go Pack Go. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. He gets Devontae Adams. Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted. Intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King.
Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side. St. Brown makes the catch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in. Using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. He's got it. Out of bounds. Inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness. What a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Yes, Mason Crosby Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.